This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray. Father, we are so happy this morning with a deep joy that just bubbles up inside of us and flows over all the problems and the troubles that we have in life because, Lord, you have cleared the way for us to have a wonderful entrance into heaven. And so, Lord, we pray now as we open your word that you'd continue to encourage us and make that joy to, Lord, bubble more. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Okay, here we go. Micah chapter 5. Now, gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she should travaileth have brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And this man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and when he shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise against him shepherds and eight principal men. They shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod in the entrance thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian. When he cometh into our land and when he treadeth within our boundary borders, and the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as a showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor witty for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts in the forest and as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he go through, both treadeth down, teareth in pieces, none can deliver. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off the horses out of the midst of thee. I'll destroy thy chariots. I will cut off the cities of thy land and throw down all their strongholds. And I will cut off the witchcrafts out of thine hand, 
and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Thy graven images will I cut off, thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities, and I will execute vengeance and anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they've not heard. Now, this chapter, as far as the book of Micah goes, now turns to a great hope for Israel. The hope is described very strangely, very oddly, in the end of verse one where it says, they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. That is the hope of Israel. It's all wrapped up in the suffering of the judge of Israel. The judge of Israel is Jesus Christ, who said in John 5.22, John 5.22, the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So all men are going to be dragged into the court of Jesus Christ, the judge of Israel. Romans 2.16, Romans 2.16 says, God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Revelation 19.11, Revelation 19.11 talks about a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge. And there's no one who can escape that judgment because in 2 Corinthians 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But before he judges, he suffers. And that's the suffering that is the hope that is described in verse one. It's the suffering of Matthew 26, 67, Matthew 26, 67. Then did they spit in, in his face, in the face of Jesus Christ, and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? So with those slaps of hands across his cheek, there was the fulfillment of what it says in verse one. Verse one, they shall smite the judge of Israel. And the hope of Israel now comes forth and emerges in verse two with these words that are spoken to a city, but thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting even though he is struck across the cheek, he saves Israel. Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us as God looked at us going our own way, going astray without a shred of care about God. And in the midst of that, Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're going astray. The Lord lays on him 
the iniquity of us all. And that's love. That's the love that's described in 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Not that we loved God. That man who struck Jesus on his cheek represented us, represented you, represented me. We struck him because of 1 John 4.10, not that we loved God. It's this great but in verse two that is the essence of 1 John 4.10, but that he loved us, but thou Bethlehem. With that one word, thou, in verse two, but thou Bethlehem. It's so directed by God as if God was looking over all the cities of the world. He's looking at all the, and and all of them, thousands. And he says, it's you. It's really you, Bethlehem. Bethlehem, you're gonna be the one. Congratulations, Bethlehem. You are the one that's been chosen. And the word Bethlehem is made up of two words, bet, which means house, and lachem, which means bread, bet lachem, house of bread. And that creates for us a picture where people are coming to a house for bread. Bread is called the staff of life because a staff as supports and bread supports life. So bread is necessary for life. And the point is, is that there's a vital link between bread and life. Life and bread, bread and life. Bread brings life. So Bethlehem means a house of bread where people come to get bread to support life or a house where people come to get the bread of life. And this is why the place where Jesus was born was called Bethlehem. It's the house of bread because Jesus called himself the bread of life. So from the house of bread, comes the bread of life. Jesus said in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He loved this term, the bread of life, to describe himself. He said in John 6.47, John 6.47, Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, they're dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven that if a man eat thereof, he he will not die. I am the living bread. He said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, in that chapter, chapter six, John chapter six, three times Jesus said that he was the bread that gives life. He's the bread of life, he's the living bread. And so now picture Bethlehem, picture a house of bread in a city where people are coming, people are starving. Starving people have to go to the house of bread to get the bread or they'll die. 
And if they refuse to go to the house of bread to get bread, then they will not live. And this is what Jesus Christ said about coming to him in John 5.40, John 5.40. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Just like the house of bread. People have to come to Jesus Christ to get the bread of life. People have to come to Jesus Christ for life. There's no other alternative because he said in John 14, 6, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I am the life, and no man comes to God who is life except through him. He, he's called the word in John 1, 1, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh in John 1, 14. Calling Jesus Christ the word linked him to the life that Moses talked about when Moses said, word, life, God's word, life, God's word, life, in Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 8.3. Man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. God created man, he was not alive. And then God, from his mouth, breathed into the nostrils of a lump of clay called man, and man became a living soul. And so Moses said in Deuteronomy 8.3 that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord is how man lives. So Bethlehem is the house of bread, and out of Bethlehem comes Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. Now God is making a very special point about his selection of the city of Bethlehem. And first God says, there were thousands in the running. There were thousands of places that God considered. And out of those thousands, there was the big city of Jerusalem, the big city of Hebron, the big city of Ashkelon. And when God thought of the big city of Jerusalem for the birthplace of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, God said, no. And then God thought of the big cities in Judah. And as he went over every one of them, God said, no, no, no. And then God thought of that little tiny place called Bethlehem. And God said, yes. That's the city that I'll have my son, the bread of life, come out of and be born in. And God spoke then to the city of Bethlehem in verse two, in verse two, and he says, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. See, in verse two, what God is doing there, he's emphasizing that out of the thousands of places of Judah, that God chose insignificant speck Bethlehem. Why? Why? Because Jesus said about himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Matthew eleven twenty nine, learn of me. He says, you don't know me, so learn of me. Learn of me. 
I am meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me, God the Son, Jesus said. Learn of what you don't know about me, said God the Son, Jesus. Look at little Bethlehem as my choice and learn of me. Learn of me, said God the Son, Jesus. Learn what you did not expect God to be. Humble, lowly, meek. Look at the fact that I chose little Bethlehem and learn of me. God chose that little tiny place, Bethlehem, to teach us what kind of a man God will respect. What kind of a man God will choose to live with him. Isaiah 66.2, Isaiah 66.2. All these things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. That's why out of the thousands of choices that God had, God chose that little Bethlehem to teach us that God chooses to be with and help the person who is little in his own eyes. Poor and contrite spirit man, man who trembles at the word of God. That's why God chose little Bethlehem. God chose little Bethlehem for God the Son to be born in because of what God the Son Jesus was going to do, which was Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even the death of the cross. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So God chooses this little tiny place called Bethlehem for the entrance of God the Son, the most spectacular entrance of anyone on planet Earth, and he chooses little Bethlehem for him to be born there because he would be of little reputation. Little Bethlehem for the one who came who made himself of little reputation. God chose little Bethlehem for the one who would be of a little position as a servant. God chose little Bethlehem for the one who would be of little self-seeking in obedience. God chose little Bethlehem for the entrance of one who would be of little demanding as he became obedient to die on a cross. That's why out of the thousands of Judah, God chose little Bethlehem. Then the Bible says the three words, out of thee, out of thee, Bethlehem, God the Son is gonna come. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. No one would have expected Verse two, the out of thee for Bethlehem. The wise men didn't expect it. When they came, they thought God the Son, the great God the Son, would be born in the great city of Jerusalem. And they were wrong. 
Matthew 2, 1, Matthew 2, 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Bethlehem is symbolic of the littleness of it all. Bethlehem is symbolic of how little the Lord Jesus Christ made himself. Bethlehem is symbolic of the little Jewish people. Just as among the thousands of Judah, Bethlehem was little, so among all the peoples of the world, the Jewish people are so little. Jewish people are only 0.19% of the world's population. Jewish people don't even make up a quarter of 1% of the world's population. And God said to Bethlehem, so God could say of the little Jewish people, verse two, verse two, yet out of thee shall he come forth. Out of little Bethlehem shall come forth God, the son, Jesus. Out of the little Jewish people shall come forth God, the son, Jesus. Romans 9, 4, Romans 9, 4. Israelites, of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Out of the little Bethlehem and out of the little Jewish people, God the Son, Jesus, come forth, as he said in Psalm 40, verse 7, Psalm 40, verse 7, then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book, it's written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God, thy law is within my heart. From the little Bethlehem, from the little Jewish people, from the sea came the great seed of the woman, the devil head crusher. He comes forth as predicted by God in Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity, he said to Satan, God said to Satan. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. From the little Bethlehem, from the little Jewish people, the great people gathering Shiloh comes as predicted by Jacob with the few breaths that he had left on his deathbed in Genesis 49.10, Genesis 49.10, when he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Micah 5.10, verse two, verse two, Micah 5.2, verse two, shall he come forth? Makes us think of three questions. Shall he come forth? So, where did he come from that came forth? So, where is he coming to? He that came forth. So, why? Why did he leave? Why did he come? And Jesus left us no wonder for the answers to these questions. When he said in John 6, 38, John 6, 38, I came down from heaven. He said, I came down from heaven. Where did he come for? Why did he do that? Why did he come from heaven? John 6, 38, John 6, 38, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, 
but it should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone would seeth the Son and believeth into him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. He came to do God the Father's will, and God the Father's will was to save and not to lose any person who, number one, sees beyond the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ to see who Jesus Christ really is, that he is the word of John 1.1, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.